You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. racing season is back and so are we the cycling podcast feminine my name is rose manley and i'm joined as always by my lovely co-host orla shenoui hello orla. hello hello and richard moore hello and how are we both doing have we kept up to speed with all the racing well you richard you've been over in over in belgium hopped over there didn't you probably me the least of all oh, okay. as you, as, as you <laughs> yeah, know it's, yeah, it's yeah, quite it's hard it's quite hard to keep <laughs> yeah. track of uh Everything that's going on, but I've been trying to, to you know, uh, catch up with it. But I was over for Het Newsblad on Saturday. Um, unfortunately, I was at Kurna Brussels Kurna on Sunday, so I missed Omloop Het Hageland. And then uh, Le Samin on Tuesday. So three races in uh, four days. And uh, it was great, actually, because last year and the year before, um, well, not not quite the year before because we had those races the year before but mm. the, the later flanders classics were all held behind closed doors and, and last year too so the the crowds were back this year the presentation was on in the in the velodrome they did that thing at het newsbad which they've done at the tour of flanders of running the women's race after the men's race so the presentation was pushed back a bit the women's race ran for an hour or so after the men's race had finished which i thought worked well again but it was fantastic to see crowds back i think everybody appreciated that so yeah it was it was a great weekend great and weather Oli, you were back you were back in the studio as well of course yes i was back in the eurosport studio um G- eurosport gcn which was such an absolute thrill it's one of those things whereby you almost feel saturated with cycling by the end of a season and then i feel saturated from the relief. start orla to be honest i feel immediately saturated <laughs> as soon as the Why? season begins it's just, really? it's just, well, there's just always so much on. It's just impossible to yeah. actually see everything and, you know, take you know it what? all in. I, I think that's why I really like the women's calendar, actually. I find that, I find the men's calendar quite mm. overwhelming sometimes. And I really enjoy opening weekend for that reason, because in my head I can say, right, it all really starts now. And that's not to be disrespectful to any races that come before. But mm. it's more that I, I can't invest so much emotion for such a long time, but... I also I always feel like I'm ready for a break and I mean we don't even ride our bikes professionally we, all we do is talk about it but I'm ready for a break when winter comes and then by the by the time winter is done and especially this winter I don't know because Covid kept on longer than we wanted and the weather's just been absolutely rubbish like mm. no snow no ice no skating um on the on the canals here so I just desperately needed cycling back in my life and I feel ge- genuinely lighter and happier from the weekend it's wonderful i've re- i just absolutely loved it loved it and i'm so glad we're underway again and i've got to say richard from your um little trip to belgium you got some cracking interviews which have helped me to relive the thrill of the weekend all over again as listened to them earlier so um it's all it's all very exciting well yeah we've got all of that to come we've got interviews as all i said that richard picked up with Adamic van Floyten and Demi Vollering and speaking to a couple of the, uh, the new DSs on the women's peloton scene. But, you know, we better find out what happened in these races first. So, Orla, give us your news roundup. Yes, let's get to it, shall we? We haven't quite yet gotten underway with the Women's World Tour, we should say. That uh, doesn't start until Strada Bianca, this upcoming weekend at the time of recording. But we have, of course, started with the Spring Classics. And what a beaut of a curtain opener we had at Omloop Het Newsblad. Fans, as Richard said, were once again able to line the roads to watch Annemiek van Vleuten take her second title at this race. And my life what a way she did it. We knew she was in good form with the early season Valenciana win, which in itself was remarkable, given that she'd fractured her pelvis and shoulder in the last race of last year. Let's not forget women's Paris-Roubaix. She was still in crutches until just before Christmas. But on the roads of Belgium, she sat on the front of a two-woman break for the final 13 kilometres, along with Jamie Vollering, with Vollering not once threatening to take a turn. They did have words in the final two kilometres, which I think is the first time that Van Vluten even looked behind her. Vollering's wheels went in front for a few hundred metres. That was it. And even then, she flicked the elbow at Van Vluten to ask her to come in front, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, Van Vluten did do that. Um, and of course, it was all over from there. She stayed in front all the way to the line, as they said in Dutch 
commentary when Van Vluten managed to win after a 13 kilometer lean out. Junga, 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 which basically means, <laughs> goodness gracious me, that was remarkable. And it was a remarkable show of strength. Vollering was incredibly emotional afterwards, saying that she really wanted to win this one for her teammate, Amy Peters, who, of course, remains unconscious, as we understand, two months after a training crash. So we continue to send our very best wishes to Amy and her loved ones, of course. It was a Dutch 1-2-3 on the podium with Lorena Vibus winning the sprint from the best of the rest behind. We did then have another omloop the following day, this time the omloop het Hageland, where we had another early season winner take victory once again. This time it was Marta Bastianelli of UAE. She won Hageland after already winning two sprints in Spain this year. It was Emma Norsgaard of Movistar in second and Florence Mackay of DSM in third. And then we had Lusamine de Dam, where Emma Norsgaard, who had made her way from sixth to second at the omloops, then used them effectively as a long sprint run-up, if you like, to keep racing past the rest and get her first win of the season, finishing ahead of Chiara Consoni of Valcar Travel and Service with Victoria Guazzini of FTJ Nouvelle Aquitaine Futuroscope in third. So briefly then, in other news, the Tour of Flanders uh, has announced it will offer equal prize purse for the women's race this year. As for the men's, the race organisers Flanders Classics have a four-year equality drive called Closing the Gap. But this particular element has come a year earlier than promised. So there will be a €50,000 total prize purse for each of the women's and the men's events. The winners of each race will receive €20,000. Now, from next year, the plan is to equalise the money for all of their spring races, which include, of course, Newsblad, Ghent Vevelgem, uh, Tour of Flanders, Geldeprijs, Brabantsepeil. Each one of those, of course, have a men's and a women's race. But when you think back to last year, there's a bit of a stushy, as they call it in your original neck of the woods, Richard, um, when Omloop Newsblad had paid its male winner, Davide Ballerini, €16,000 as part of a €40,000 purse and its female winner, Anna van der €930 from a total of 4600 So you can see how much progress is being made there and hallelujah to that. Elsewhere, um, former world champion and the first woman's Paris-Roubaix winner Lizzie Diagnan has, of course, announced she and her husband Phil are expecting a second child. She's going to continue her career afterwards and has extended her contract with Tetrex Segafredo to 2024. And here's one that you may or may not have heard, lady and gentlemen, and of course, in the plural, to our wider listening audience. Advanced plans are afoot to introduce a... Female de Koenig quick step team. A she-wolf pack, if you like. <laughs> what do we think of that? She-wolf pack. Absolutely That's brilliant. my own. That's my own. Oh, oh. <laughs> what do we think? After all the fuss with Patrick Lefebvre saying that it wasn't worth investing in women's cycling and all the furore that that caused, they are in deep discussions. Did you now just say the Koenig quick step, team. though? Did you say the Koenig oh. quick step? Quick step alpha oh, vinyl. Quick step alpha vinyl. It's still the start <laughs> of the season. Give me a break. Yeah, no, fair enough. That I didn't know that news no, or loss of that is. Um... Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't know no. it. I was hoping I'd see some shock on your faces. You played a good poker game there. Well, it's, I, I, it's, it's funny because we have good heard goals, isn't it? Patrick Lefebvre kind of slowly stepping. You know, obviously he came out and said, what was it that he said? Something horrendous. One of many <laughs> no, horrendous can you, can you narrow it down a bit, Rose? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insert quote here. Well, uh, yeah, but, uh, but he ha I have heard him slowly stepping back, you know, on what he's said. And obviously this is just like, a, you know, another step on that journey of... Of, uh -huh. of kind of so, reeling so back in his, his comments, probably with a sp few sponsors or two in his ears saying, um, you, you know, as with any Fiori uh, that I've witnessed before with Quickstep, it, it's normally like, you know, specialised, that kind of a like, oh, no, don't say that and don't associate us with that. And uh, yeah, he's, I he's had a few sponsors in his ears that have... Uh, st like steered him in the right direction. A new title sponsor coming in next year, Sudal. Um, they obviously run a women's team at the moment, Lotto. Um, I don't know if that's a factor, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's very interesting, Orla. Do we have a, a, a timescale for it? Not yet, not yet. I think it might be next year, but I'll have to go back and, and find out. But I do understand, Rose, that you're correct. It's sponsor-driven, but that Patrick is fully on board with it. 
And what I understand is he's also fully aware that he cannot mess this up. He has to get it right because of what he said in the past um, and the reputation that he brings to it. He knows he can't do this half cooked, half baked. Well, also just the stature of that properly funded. Well, exactly. Has to be properly funded, has to have the right riders, the, the correct support. He wants it to be integrated with the men's team. And I fully expect some people to react to that news um, with a bit of disgust because, our, you know, we remember at the time whenever he made the comments, um, whichever one you choose to Google <laughs> and come up first, um, that we don't need him anyway. You know, women's cycling doesn't need him anyway. But I would say from what I'm understanding from his attitude to setting up the women's team is it's absolutely blooming marvellous. Because if we can convince people, not we obviously, just collectively, if people like that can be convinced that there is an argument, and even if it is coming from the sponsors, I don't really care, but that there's an argument for a properly established women's wolf pack. I mean... Let's start oh, let's start a so rumor exciting. here. Who's probably in the final year of his career who wants to carry on working with the team? I know and is a I great know, and is a I great know. supporter of women cycling. Mark Cavendish. Mark Cavendish. I was saying this to somebody. If he could sign up as a DS, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I'd love to hear what you'd be saying into the race radio though, wouldn't you? Just f- go for it. He'd be like that. <laughs> Oh, he'd be amazing. He'd be amazing at that. Yeah, I think it'll be really exciting. And I, and even from a branding standpoint, what they bring in terms of energy and, you know, we can laugh at the Wolfpack as a as a moniker as much. But, I, you know, I like it. And I think if actually that is adapted to the, to the women's team, it would be really exciting. And if they bring the same kind of energy and 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 attacking racing that we get in the men's side of it, which which will really suit women's racing, then it's a fantastic thing. So I'm really excited. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights, and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Well, thank you as always to Super Sapiens for their sponsorship of the Cycling Podcast as our title sponsor. If you want to find out more information about them, then go to supersapiens.com. Right, well, Orly, you mentioned in your news roundup about Quick Step starting up a, a, well, the possibility of them starting up a women's team. Uh, And obviously Movistar a few years ago, um, another big major men's team started their women's project. uh, And you, Richard, noticed that... uh, for the first time ever, the Movistar is actually uh, top of the UCI I rankings. Thought you were gonna, yeah, I thought you were going to say for the first time ever the cycling podcast broke a story because uh, <laughs> it, was, it was actually... Well, no, no, one of it was stories. It was Fran Reyes, uh, Fran Reyes during the Vuelta, during our Vuelta coverage, who revealed exclusively on the cycling podcast that Movistar were setting up a women's team. And there we've just heard Orla exclusively reveal that Quickstep Alpha Vinyl are doing the same. So... Um, got a good track record on this score, but I think when the movie star women's team set up, it, it started quite modestly, didn't it? Really, and it didn't. We weren't really sure what it it was. Um, when they signed Annemiek van Vluten last year, um, that was a real statement of intent, wasn't it? But they didn't just sign her; they they signed some very strong support riders, and in Emma Norsgaard, a, a real rising star. Um. But she. But I think. I mean. I think when she they signed Emma Norsgaard, it's not like she was a, a you know established. No. Right. I mean, her her wins have come since she's been at Movistar, haven't they? Yeah, and I've mentioned that she's another graduate of the old Bigla Katusha team. Um, a lot of whom have gone on to great things, and you think about what that team might have achieved had they been kept together. But no, she last year was a real revelation at the start of the year, wasn't she? She had lots of second places, and she started this year looking just as sharp if not better but what's crystallized is is this notion of Movistar as a really strong force with with those two in particular as a great double act because you've got the very aggressive 
Annemiek van Vluten, who's willing to attack from quite far out. Then you've got Emma Norsgaard, who's a fantastic finisher. Um, but a bit more than that, she's not just a sprinter, is she? She's she's a good all-rounder, but she's got a great finish. So, you know, it's really interesting to um, look at... They've got great support as well. I mean, you know, Emma Norsgaard paid great tribute to her teammates on... Uh, what day was it? Tuesday at the Salmon... The Samin and and the help that they gave her in bringing back the breakaways and supporting her in the finale um, on a day where there was some questionable tactics by uh, the the FDG uh, team, I thought in in the end. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd actually spoken to Emma Norsgaard at the start. Um, she'd finished second at Omloop Het Hageland and sixth at Het Newsblad, so she'd start start the season very well but was she heading again for another string of second places and near misses um so this was her speaking at the start of the Samin and uh looking ahead to the race but also talking a bit about how she works with Annemiek van Vluten. Emma uh, second on second on Sunday you had a lot of second places at the start of last season didn't you how did, yeah. it, how did it go on Sunday? How, how did the race go and how close were you at the finish? I mean, I think I was pretty happy with my second place. Uh, I, I think we, we were racing really aggressively as a, as a team, and uh, which made me super proud to see the whole team working like this. So it was a, a happy second place, but uh, today we, I hope we can do a little bit better. Well, you were second here last year. So is this a race that you like? Is that a course that you like? Yeah, I, I like this race and, uh, and I hope we can do good also this year. And you were you were six on Saturday as well, Het Newsblad, so a really strong performance there and obviously a win for the team. You must have been happy with how, how that race went. Yeah, definitely. Winning with Annemiek in Omlop uh, was uh, was perfect and uh, me becoming in, in top ten also was, was just a... Uh, on top of uh, of the cherry, yeah. What do you? How do you feel your level is this year compared to last year? Uh, right now, I feel like it's pretty much the same. Uh, I hope that I can develop uh, a, a, develop a little bit more over the season. Uh, so uh, yeah, I hope it's uh, going uh, up from now. Yeah. And just finally, I mean, how, how different is it when you're riding without Annemiek? Because obviously, when she's in the team, there's a real kind of focal point. You can you you got very different talents here I guess you're the undisputed team leader how, how, how different does that make the race I mean when Annemiek is not here I have to play the aggressively part and when she's here she has to do it so it's more like uh, when she's in the races I'm a bit more passive um, and for me it's fine to to have different roles in different races which do you prefer uh, I don't know I pre- it depends on, on the race. Sometimes I like to stay a little bit calm, but for example, yesterday or Sunday, it was super nice to be aggressive. Well, that was Emma Norsgaard, and a couple of hours later, because it's not a very long race, the Sam, in 99 kilometers for the women, but it's a tough race, you know, cobbles and climbs and, and a really hard finishing straight up a, up a drag. Um, and she was very strong up there and, and won the race extremely well. Um, and it made meant that over the weekend they'd had two wins and a second place in the opening three races, um, which is pretty good. And they they are currently, I guess, the world's number one team. But the winner on Saturday was, of course, Annemiek van Vluten. Um, and our colleague Gregor Brown from Flow Bikes spoke to her at the finish there. Let's hear what she had to say. Annemiek, we knew you were on great form, but this is a big win. It's pretty important for you to get this win in Omloop. Maybe the way how I did win today, first of all with the team, because we missed a split. And um, actually I missed a split because there were my girls to follow. So the team helped me out to close the gap and went full gas to the muir. It was a super nice team effort. Um, and then it was up to me um, to close the gap. Um, but then also like after the Bosberg I ended up with uh, only with Demi Vollering in my wheel and then she's maybe on paper a faster sprinter so you know if someone's not taking over and I'm riding like 12 kilometers with her in my wheel will be hard um, but um, I like challenges and I felt like I still feel I have a chance and um, yeah that makes it it's special. You try to put her in danger on some of the corners, maybe to gap her. Was there some trash talking there, something to, to get her to come up to the front and work? No, like uh, I think I have a lot of respect uh, for all uh, my colleagues in the peloton and for sure they played it smart, like they had two riders uh, behind me. So um, yeah, they, I, 
I accepted also a bit the situation and didn't get frustrated about it, not at all. I felt like, yeah, she plays the game. Only with Emma Norskart was uh, joining that group behind me. That's when I said to uh, Damien, like, hey, come on, please take over because Emma is also super fast and she's now in this group. Um, but yeah, she, she didn't want to take over. So I felt like I just commit and continue. This is the big one day opener of the season. Everybody talks this race up. What did you learn from yourself and from all your rivals out there today? No, I learned from myself that I need to be more focused and don't, don't miss a split and be like 100% uh, focused. Uh, ride more with my teammates together. Um, and what I learned from my own shape, yeah, that um, yeah, stay belief uh, in, in myself. And uh, I think it showed also that I'm in good shape. And uh, let's bring on next week uh, Strade Bianca. Uh, well, that was Annemiek van Vluten, who, of course, won Omloop Het Newsblad. But my question to you both would be, obviously, they're top of the rankings, but would we say that Movistar are the strongest women's team out there at the moment? What, what do you think, Ola? It's a hard question, isn't it? Because they are number one ranked in the world at the moment. We haven't said the Women's World Tour. Um, 525 points, but 350 of those have come from Annemiek van Vluten. So um, she does bring them up an awful lot um Emma Norsgaard though has had her wins so they've they've got four wins all together and that is double the number of wins they had in the first two years combined they won five last year so they're, they're almost up there already um but it should be said that Alicia Gonzalez because because the points obviously aren't just on wins are they so you can accrue points by your finishing positions they do also have points from Alicia Gonzalez who finished yeah, she was 11th at the Vuelta CV Femininas and Catherine Allered 13th overall at Valenciana. So they do get extra points for those finishing places. And as Richard says, they are working so much better now as a team. And um, Annemiek herself credited the team uh, in Newsblad for making sure that she was brought back after, after missing the break. It's hard, I think, if we're going to look ahead to the rest of the season. I mean, they did win Flanders as well last year. That was their first win. So they'll be looking at that early season. But it is difficult to see past still SE Works and Trek, for example, when we look at this season progressing. Although, of course, Trek now won't have Lizzie Dignan, which will be a big loss to their points gathering, um, if nothing else. But they've just been really impressive. And I just, regardless of whether they're the best um, for the season going ahead, I just love seeing how they have progressed and how they've become so much more of a force. And as Richard said, whenever they started, their ambitions maybe were smaller. They were certainly more domestic. I was looking at the composition of the team since it started. And 2018, seven of their 10 riders were Spanish. They had four nationalities, four nationalities the next year. And that's gone on from six to nine to now 10 different nationalities in the team. So five out of the 14 women's squad are Spanish. So it's become much more international. It's become much more ambitious and it's become... Um, just much more successful but that's not obviously because there are fewer Spanish riders it's simply because it's become more international and they've managed to attract the likes of Annemiek van Vluten I don't think I was the only one who was surprised when she went there I think a lot of us would have expected her to go to what was going to be then the, the brand new Jumbo Visma uh, but even at the time do you remember she said she didn't want to do that because she didn't want one team to dominate which I, I just love the honesty of that and it's and it's great because I don't see how Movistar would have, well, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be in this position if it weren't for Annemiek. But that's not to say that she's operating alone. She's clearly inspired an awful lot of confidence around her as well. And I think she takes a lot of pride in building that team of support around her from the riders. And it's just really exciting to see, I think, in a team that a few years ago we would never have expected to be up there at this stage in the season or at any stage in the season, really. Yeah, I think my feeling is, though, that if you... I don't know what you what you feel about it, Richard. My my thought is, if you did take away... I mean, obviously, if you ever say about any team, if you take away this champion and this champion, then what you're left with. But, you know, they, they don't have... It's not like SD Works, where you could, you could have any number of winners. The wins do come down to Van Fluten and, and uh, Norsgaard. And it's the fact that the wins could go either one of their ways that enables them to to get the win if you know what I mean because you know people are worried oh if this all comes back together then Norsgaard's probably going to win and and if we let Van Freuten go then she's probably going to win on her own uh, but you know I would say that SD Works on paper is still you know a lot stronger um, but obviously it hasn't played out for them because of 
the strength of of Van Vluten. Like in Omloop, it was crazy to see Demi Vollering's pain face just, you know, on a totally flat road, uh, you know, in the wheel of Van Vluten and, and Demi Vollering's making all these faces like, you know, she's can hardly keep on her wheel. So I was just going to say really quickly, the thing with ST Works is that a little bit like um, Quickstep, they've always managed to um, balance that overwhelming prominence of talent and ambition and, and and success. But they've got to do that every season because they've got a new lineup every season. And, and depending on how a season goes, it could be advantageous to have only, in inverted commas, a Van Vluten and a Norris Guard because they're not getting to the finish line by themselves. They're not getting to the business end of the race by themselves. They've got a team built around them. And it's a clear structure, which can make it simpler, I guess, sometimes depending on, you know, everything is written in hindsight, isn't it? So, um if they end up doing very well this season, that will turn out to maybe be the reason why. Sorry, Richard. I was going to say that collectively, uh, Trek Segafredo and SC Works might be stronger, but at the moment, Movistar have a sharper edge with those two. And that's that's great while those two are fit and in form. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be very dependent, very reliant on them, whereas those other teams have perhaps more strength in depth or potential winners in their in their lineups. But... While they're in form, it's a fantastic situation for both of them. You know, Annemiek van Vluten, who's 39, and Emma Norsgaard, who's 22. As Norsgaard said, it gives her the opportunity to ride in different ways, in a passive way when, when van Vluten's in the team, he's maybe holding back a bit and, and saving it for a, a sprint, and in a more aggressive way when she's not in the team. So as, as a rider at her stage, at her, the point in her career that she's at, it's a great a great situation for her to be in and that I think that win was important in La Samy just because you know she sort of smiled when I asked about the the string of second places last year you know it's always uh difficult to get in a run like that you need that win and she's got it now and uh who knows what she'll go on to from here but I could see her winning I mentioned she's more than a sprinter she could win Tour of Flanders I think you know if in, in a group again with Van Vluten in the lineup as well um, she's uh, she's got every chance. Well, shall we uh, hear from Sebastian Unzoe, who's obviously one of the uh, masterminds behind the success that Movistar women's team has had. Uh, he's the manager of the women's team, and he talked to you, yeah, Richard. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say a, a, a bit about that because uh, you know we were talking about Patrick Lefebvre and 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 him setting up a women's team, perhaps. Um, Sebastian Unzoe is the son of Eusebio Unzoe, who's basically run the Movistar team in its various guises for 40 plus years now. And what's impressive and, and striking about Eusebio is how invested he has seemed in the women's team when they won the Tour of Flanders. Um, you know, we see him at a lot of races, all the biggest races, but I've rarely seen him as happy as when they won the Tour of Flanders. And that's because they've never come close to winning the Tour of Flanders before with the men's team, obviously. So I think the having the women's team and having the women's team doing well has sort of opened up a new frontier for them and given them a, a yeah a, a new sense of purpose in a way and it's it's been great to, to see that and to see the evolution of the team so Sebastian Unzwe was um walking back to the the team car with the the spoils of victory um from Tuesday's race when I uh, stopped him and had a quick word about the recent success and that evolution of the team two out of three of these belgian classics the team has won two different riders and a second as well yeah um continues a kind of great success story for the the women's team absolutely yeah we had a lot of hopes when coming into the weekend i think the girls did a super good job in the winter and we came in with a strong team in newsblad uh anemic did her thing i think it was one of the most impressive wins that i've seen from her and on Sunday, again, another great race by the team. Came short just by being beaten by, by Marta Bastianelli. And today, finally, even though we came into a race um, with some doubts because we didn't have the full team here, we had only five girls and one of them was not feeling so well. So we knew it was going to be a difficult race. We wanted to make a hard race since the first of the small laps. We did that, we tried to select the bunch so we could be in even numbers with our rivals. 
uh, we more or less did that and and then the four girls that were still in the peloton they did an outstanding job and Emma was able to finish it off in a in an amazing way I think mm. so super good day for us super good start of the classic season and a lot of confidence for what's coming next. Yeah, and that, that combination of Emma and Anamik, um, I spoke to her this morning, she said how much she enjoys both racing with her and also racing on her own, but it, it gives you very interesting options in the races, doesn't it? Yeah, no doubt. I think uh, it leaves, having both of them leaves us in a really positive and, and interesting tactical position. Um, you guys know that Anamik loves playing the aggressive race and going in the attack. Emma also likes that, but we can also save her for the sprint, seeing how fast she can be. And, and yeah, super interesting tactically for us to have both of them. How um, we saw, I think, what it meant to the team when Annemiek won through mm-hmm. Flanders, um, because Movistar, the, the long history of Movistar has never been synonymous with success mm-hmm. in these races. But how, how important has the, the women's team and the success of the women's team been to the, the overall story of the team? Super, super important. Um, we came in five years ago and in a, with an idea of supporting the national cycling, Spanish cycling, women's Spanish cycling. And year by year we've been growing. I think last year was a turning point for us as a team with the arrivals of Anemic and Emma. And we've been growing a lot every year. We've been growing also in importance in terms of, of comparison with the men's team. And I think we, we all feel like we're just one team that races in two different programs the men's program and the women's program and i'm super proud and, and really happy to to see how the sport is developing how the interest for women's cycling is growing a lot every day and super happy to also see all these races live on tv which is uh, in my opinion the most important thing because if we cannot show this to the fans it doesn't have that much value so yeah i mean women's team is is growing in importance they're bringing in so many good results and i'm sure that this also pushes the men a little bit to to continue going for results on their yeah, side also the men looking over their shoulders are they <laughs> they're getting a bit scared of the woman coming coming really fast behind <laughs> and the sponsor as well i mean is it something yeah. the sponsor fully is fully behind totally uh, since year one I think all the sponsors were super supportive. They all wanted to contribute. They all pushed us to continue with this project. And year by year, as we were able to grow in importance and, and, and also the level of the results that we were getting uh, was improving. We just keep getting more and more in, uh, interest from the sponsors and everyone is really happy with this project and makes us really proud. Well, we've spoken a lot about Movisto, who we can say took the spoils from the opening weekend. And we did touch upon SD Works, who might be feeling a little disappointed to be in such a kind of commanding position uh, in Omloop and have only come away with second place there with Demi Vollering. But, you know, what do we make of SD Works? Could they have done more? You know, what should they have done? Could they have played it differently? Well, if this was football, if this was a football team, would, would we be saying Anna van der Breggen must go? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, Van der Breggen yeah. out. Van der Breggen out. Signed, Van der Breggen out. No, um, the side of the road by Strada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but um, it, it was really interesting watching Omloop hit Newsblad and thinking about her in the director's car and having to make quite difficult decisions because tactically it wasn't s- straightforward at all for them. Um, they had Marlon Rooster in, in the first breakaway f- four riders and then. Um, Demi Vollering and Lotte Kopecky came up but with with other riders for company most notably Annemiek van Vluten of course and you know having three riders up there they had to sort of wait for for Kopecky at one point she's a very fast finisher of course so that was a logical thing to do but it was all they had the numbers but it was still quite a hard race to win as, as we saw they didn't really do anything wrong I mean they covered every move and they had Demi Vollering, probably their strongest rider with Annemiek van Vluten. So uh, the only, uh, you know, I, I think they did everything they, they could. Uh, and, and on the day, the strongest rider won. And, and what you can't really criticise a team for that. So van der Breggen get a few more weeks to... Uh, <laughs> of grace. I mean, you say they didn't do anything wrong. They pretty much did everything right, really. I mean, you cannot ask for more than one of your fastest finishers, one of the fastest finishers in the world, been in there for a sprint finish against Annemiek van Vluten, who's been pulling on the front for 13 kilometres. You know, it was classic. What, what did what did you think, Ola, when you saw van Vluten and Vollering go away? Who did you think the win was Well, it was, was gonna really funny. I'm going to drop a minute, but I did it on air anyway. But Dan Lloyd, we were sitting um, watching this unfold in the Eurosport GCN 
studio and at maybe 10 kilometers to go. So Van Vluten had been in the front then for three kilometers. Um, he said, I mean, this is just over, isn't it? I mean, obviously Demi Vollering is going to win this. And I didn't say it out loud and I regret it, but genuinely my thinking was, do not bet anything against Annemiek van Vluten ever, ever, ever. And almost because he said it was inevitable that Vollering would win it, I thought, well, I bet you Annemiek will now, actually, because she just loves proving us all wrong. And she will know that Demi Vollering is the fastest finisher. And she will know that pulling on the front is arguably going to tire her. But it, was, but it seemed to be difficult for Vollering to keep her wheels. So arguably, if Vollering had done a turn at the front, it would have slowed them both down anyway. I thought it was hilarious to see them having that spat within the final two kilometers <laughs> because by then what's the point really in Vollering going on the front but but you've got to think if Vollering is going to refuse maybe that's the only thing they did wrong maybe that's it because to refuse anything that Annemiek van Vluten asks of you when she's got that fire in her belly is just asking her to go on and punch you in the guts van Vluten probably listening to Dan Lloyd as well in her ear um <laughs> Giving her all she's the motivation her, she needs. Calms on. But yeah, I think as he works, actually, I mean, when you look at the names that they brought with them as well, you've got Russ, you've got Vandenberg Black, for goodness sake. Um, they would have confidently gone into that race thinking any kind of a race scenario, we, we will have it covered. And they did. But in the end, they they were just beaten, as you say, Richard, by the stronger rider. And, and with Anamik, it wasn't... It, I was going to say it's not even that there were tactics involved. I guess there, there weren't. She took all the, the, the rule books of the tactics and ripped them up and wrote them herself, you know. Um, as Adam Bly said, she was her own lead-out train in the in the last kilometre. She went in front, then she dropped behind, then she, then she came out in front again. There, there's just, there was just no beating her on the day. And that's that's no reflection on any other team, but rather a huge, huge credit to Annemiek van Vluten and, and her strength of, of body and mind. She started the season very hot, hasn't she? Uh, I, I expect that there's there's more to come from Vollering, um, you know, because she was she was she was good last year, and I I, I think she'll get better. Um, she's she didn't start the season hot because she was shivering at the finish uh, when I spoke to her with Sive O'Shea, the um, correspondent from Velo News, who was there. She and I spoke to uh, Demi Vollering. Shall we hear what she had to say at the end of Het Newsblad now? Well, my legs are really painful. They were completely uh, empty, and uh, yeah, it was really hard, uh, hard final. So, yeah, you could see maybe from like 10k out, you looked like you were already quite exhausted. Is that how you yeah. felt? Yeah, yeah. I had this really hard time uh, already in the in the wheel from Anamika after the last climb, because the the wind was really coming from that side. So. Uh, I could not really sit in the out of the wind in a reel, so that made it really hard. And uh, yeah, I also I left everything out on the on the last climb, so it was uh, it was a really hard race, but uh, good we, to be back in racing. We see Annemiek um, sort of speaking to you at one point, asking you to come through. I mean, at that point, were you just too tired to help? Uh, yeah, also, but uh, yeah, also, yeah. If I I took over from her, then for sure she would attack me and uh, yeah I had a lot behind me so yeah it was better to stay in the real. You had a very interesting day tactically with Marlon Rooster up the road, Lotte Kopecky bridging up to your group, you there was a lot to think about and a new sports director in the car um, was she in your ear a lot telling you what you should do? Yeah and it's super nice that you know uh, that you have Lotte and uh, Marlon behind you that's that's yeah. That's for me is perfect because you know, if I cannot do it or if we come back, then we have a second uh, option, and that's that's really good to know and uh, have in your mind also. So that's really nice. Be- better to have her in the car or, or on the road, do you think? Anna, <laughs> Anna is also really nice in the car. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. Also, she knows everybody so good in the peloton, so that's also really nice yeah. that you know, yeah. And yeah, that's nice. And how impressive was Van Vluten today? She looked very, very strong, as strong as you've seen her. Yeah, we know, of course, from Van Vluten that she is strong. And uh, she uh, showed it to, today again. So, uh, yeah, uh, but still early in the season. So uh, I hope uh, we can uh, continue with growing uh, in the team so uh, that we can win next time, hopefully. <laughs> 
Well, another uh, team that's been quite notable already this season is FDJ. I think we saw them... Uh, I think Annemiek van Vluten herself actually commended their efforts in Valenciana. I think they had uh, three... They had Cecily Ludwig second uh, there overall. And I think they had three riders in the top five overall there. Um, but we saw some kind of interesting tactics from them. at Le Samin, where we had Grace Brown uh, ahead and their... Th- Best finish was Vittoria uh, Guazzini. But, you know, you saw that, Richard. How did you think that played out for them there? Well, Guazzini was away um, with the young Trek Sigafredo rider Shireen Van Anroy. I think, is that the correct pronunciation, Orla? She, she's a very promising young rider anyway. Um, and they were away and uh, looked good for the win, actually, for a lot of it. And may even still have been good for the win right up to the line. But um, it was Clara Capone who really uh, led out the sprint, in effect, for um, Emma Norsgaard. Uh, and Guazzini held on for third, but you looked at that... Did you and... mention Capone being an FDJ? Yeah, of course, rider. yeah, teammate, yeah. yeah. And it, it, was, it, was, it was a strange tactic, unless she was just convinced that they were going to be overwhelmed by the bunch. But that, that wasn't the case, you know, I mean... Um, Guazzini held on for for third, so it was pretty close. Um, I don't know; it was a bit strange. We in the last episode we talked about kit, didn't we? I know Orla doesn't like that, but I have to say the FDJ kit is fantastic as well. Their kit and their kit and yeah, they're they're racing really well. I mean, Grace Brown is a really interesting addition to that team, isn't she? Um, and <laughs> rode very well. Um, we'll hear from her in a moment because it it might not have been entirely planned for her to be out there on her own but seeing her out there on her own for so long and at one point maybe I thought she might have a chance of of holding on um did make me think about the award that we are running in the the other podcast uh Lionel's what other podcast what do you mean a rival podcast Lionel's rolling rolling Cassily award now Rose he said he sent you a, a very detailed explanation of of you know how that's awarded and to whom. Um, do you want to explain it or shall I? Oh, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, did you listen to the explanation? Rose, I did. From find you out here. When you get sent a, a voice note from Monsieur Cassolet himself, you listen. <laughs> you or, listen. You, you absolutely do, you listen. Do. You take it on board. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Rolling Cassolet Award, which I believe Lionel is Lionel in person going to uh, present a Stacey Schneider. Um, Cassoulet bowl, I believe, filled to the brim with cassoulet. Now I'm promising with hot, <laughs> delicious, the best cassoulet anyone could ever ask that, for. That, that, that's a great idea. I think Lionel should take the respective male and female winners out for dinner for cassoulet. Yes. Um, and they get oh, to keep their Oh, I much prefer bowl. the idea of him presenting it outside the race bus, sort of the cassoulet slopping over the sides and gone cold and gloopy. And, and a photographer on hand, Simon on hand to record it. Something he neglected to mention in his in his description was that the whole point of a cassoulet is that it's, it's full of lots of different ingredients. It's a mixture of everything, of sausage, of duck fat, of beans, of lots of other beautiful sausages, things. yeah. More <laughs> sausages. sausages. Um, and that's <laughs> that's kind of what he's looking for in a performance. So the, the performance that is the, you know, deemed worthy of the rolling cassoulet is the one that's caught our eye most recently for having a bit of everything in it. It might not might might not be might not be a victory. Might not be a winning mm. performance. What we should mention about the the rolling part of it is that we we're going to select someone now as our you know rolling cassoulet uh, nominee, and then they will go up against in the next episode someone else that we've nominated. So you know that th- this could, if this is the best performance of the whole year, then this the person that we mention now is going to win the whole thing. Basically, is how it works, right? Yeah, and just to get it started, I will I will nominate Grace Brown, but I, a few. A few um, suggestions already for Annemiek van Vluten, obviously, for her mm. win, the, the way that she won on Saturday. I know it wouldn't usually go to a winner, and I would I'd prefer it didn't go to a winner, but I think Annemiek's was so exceptional. And I love the fact that she did actually miss the break, because that's the carrot, maybe, in the cassoulet. The fact that her teammate brought her up, that's the gravy in the whole affair. Um, the I haven't gone far there with my analogy in my head. <laughs> Demi Vollering ducked a few turns. It's like you start start googling cassoulet ingredients. But I know the- I don't know what else is in it, and I 
I feel uncomfortable comparing Annemiek van Vluten to a sausage, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm trying to think what other ingredient I can... Maybe potato, because I've got a deep respect for potatoes being Irish. Um, but I think the way that she did it all, really, and that her race had a bit of everything, is why I would say Annemiek on this occasion would be my rolling castellet. I, I, to be honest, I would I would also second the uh, Annemiek uh, nomination as well. Not to take anything away from Grace mm. Brown, but, you know... I, I, well, I, t- I mean, taking a cassoulet away from her. I mean, you're not taking anything away from her, you're literally depriving her of a cassoulet. I think there were a few flavours. food off her plate. <laughs> there were a few yes. flavours in Grace Brown's uh, version of the cassoulet, whereas I think Anna Meeks was the, was the real Monty, wasn't it? It was, it was a, a slightly soft nomination, um, but... But let's hear from Grace Brown anyway um, at the finish of Le Samin. Uh, you know, I was keen to, to ask her about the race, but also about her move from Bike Exchange, uh, which caught a few people by surprise, to the French team. So here she is at the finish of Le Samin, uh, Grace Brown. Um, oh, that was just uh, another attack off the front, um, and I followed it, and then I just decided to counter-attack once I caught on, and... Um, yeah, I had uh, a drops rider with me for a little while until uh, the cobble section. And then, yeah, I was on my own. But it was pretty hard on this course uh, on my own. But, yeah, it was a good day. In a situation like that, you just got to commit to it again, yeah, don't you? Yeah. yeah, there's no point sitting up. So, yeah, I just, and, just went as long as I could. And there wasn't too much wind today. So how was it out there? Um, yeah, the wind wasn't too bad, but I think just like some of these roads were just like really dragging and yeah, the cobbled sections really zapped the legs. So um, it was just, you're just on the pedals the whole time. There's not much downhill to like uh, spin out, but yeah. It looked until, you know, sort of three or 400 metres to go really as if it had been a perfect team performance. So yeah. you were in a very strong position. Yeah, it was looking really good. Um, I was hoping that uh, Victoria could uh, take that last little move all the way to the line. But yeah, obviously, um, yeah, uh, you sort of roll the dice with those, those sorts of things and she didn't quite get there. But um, if we keep racing like this, I think we'll get a result sometime soon. Yeah, how are you enjoying the, the new team? Um, I'm having a really good time, yeah. The, the team are all really motivated, both the staff and riders. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just happy um, in the group. So it's been good so far. I think a lot of people were surprised when you moved teams. Was it was it just did you feel like it, you needed a change? Yeah, I, I felt like I needed to sort of move to um, keep growing as a rider and um, yeah, just get a bit more diverse experience in the peloton. So yeah, moving to a more European team sort of made sense. How's your French? <laughs> I'm slowly um, understanding more, not speaking very well yet. <laughs> it's a very international team now though, isn't it? Yeah, we've got, it's half French, half um, other nationalities, so everyone speaks English, which is um, good for me. <laughs> Unusual on a French team. What, what are the main targets for this season then? Um, the, sort of the later classics uh, with Flanders, Roubaix, um, Liège. And then, uh, obviously, yeah, the Tour de France Femmes and uh, the World Championships in Australia. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the Worlds must be something that that are on your mind already, are they? Yeah, I mean, you you can't think too much about it um, just yet, but uh, obviously it's pretty exciting to have it in Australia. So, um, yeah, we want to have a good showing there. Well, you've had a good workout today for the spring (laughs) classics coming up. Yeah, some good training in the legs. The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Well, let's give a big up to Science in Sport, long-time sponsors of the cycling podcast. And uh, as always, you can get 25% off all of your nutritional needs by going to scienceinsport.com and using the code SASCP25. <laughs> And uh, we did get Richard to to do it. I think we're gonna have to put that out on social media somewhere. A little, oh, yeah, no. I think we will. Clip of the voucher <laughs> of that voucher being sung beautifully you know, by Richard. It was it was sung quite gently, actually. It was quite a pretty was, rendition. Very I thought Richard would be much more Thank shanty, you. but it was quite gentle. Yeah, it was sweet, oh. sweet, <laughs> sweet little Richard. <laughs> yeah. I was um, disappointed, Richard, to not hear you try out your burgeoning French with Grace. 
and see how, how oh, you're comparing. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was going to come, A missed opportunity. Maybe the next Alas, time. No. If she puts in another Cassily worthy performance, I'll maybe, I'll maybe, I'll maybe discuss Cassily with her at that point. Um, <laughs> oh yes, please do. <laughs> thank yes, thank you to Science and Sport, and and thanks also to a new cycling podcast uh, collaborator, Map the Map um, Map Clothing from Australia. Um, check them out, map.cc. Um, fantastically beautiful clothing and we well the fruits of our collaboration with them uh, will be revealed very soon i've shared these fruits with uh orla and rose yes just prior to recording fruits. what what do you think <laughs> oh man love 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 i'm not sure you'd expect anything else other than top level enthusiasm i was quite but pleased genu- though you were genuinely. you were both yeah i think you both were quite uh quite very um, excited. Blown, Very blown excited. away, actually, a little bit. And the yeah, premise well, is great. We won't, say what, we won't say what the premise yeah, is, yeah, 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 but the yeah, premise yeah. is it's excellent. storming. It's been a lot People of fun. People are going to love it. Yeah, we've been, we've been working it. with them very closely um, and been really impressed by their attention to detail and their commitment to the authenticity of the project but and that makes so, it sound less fun it's really it is actually <laughs> yeah i'm sorry I'm, that's what i'm here for that's what i'm here for right, Rose. fun spun i'm here to suck suck the fun out of everything but it's been it is it's genuinely been, awesome fun and i think people are going to really engage with you, that and love you know it. you can have love too it. much fun um <laughs> said no one ever <laughs> bloody hell but anyway when these are revealed, they will. I'm sure people will really enjoy seeing them and, and hearing about how they came about. So, um, without saying anything else, because I've probably said too much, um, stay tuned for more information on the collaboration with Map. And thanks very much to them. Well, we've uh, talked about the opening races. We've talked about Movistar. We've talked about the big teams that sh- possibly should have done better, but. Obviously, it's the first chance that we had to have a look at some of these new teams or newly formed teams or merged teams to kind of see how they've uh, how they've done. And, uh, well, what could we take away from it? Anyone got any uh, big takeaways from the opening races? Before we do that on the teams, can I just can I just mention something that I meant that I meant to mention when we were talking about Lissamin, which was uh, something that struck me. And this doesn't really relate to to new teams but to new riders um you know we've seen this phenomenon in the men's peloton the last few years of younger and younger riders um performing really well and it hasn't happened to the same extent i don't think in in the women's sport because we've seen that that older guard of van vluten and van der bregen still being so dominant but the salmon was really notable the, the average age of the top 10 was 22 and a half the winner was 22 Consone's second was 22, 21, 23, 23, 25, 20, um, 26, 21, 22. The veteran in there was Alice Barnes, 26. And I, I still Oof. think of Alice Barnes Get as being... Get in a frame, old lady. <laughs> yeah, I still think of her as being a, a really young rider. Um, actually, she rode pretty well. She was she got away, she got up to Grace Brown, didn't she? And then was still still there at the, in the sprint, so... so pretty good sign but 22 and a half average age of that top 10 i thought was pretty notable do you know what that says to me and i said this to you richard whenever you commented on this um during the week we're seven years now into the women's world tour and i think that just goes to show the level of professionalism that we're seeing and the jump that we have seen in elite women cycling because it simply was not an option before you could not go from school university into cycling as a career because the career path wasn't there the money wasn't there it's still not going to earn you the big bucks but we do now have a pathway and we've got so much more visibility and it's an option for young riders who show talent at a young age to think actually I could try a career in professional cycling before I move on to whatever else I'm going to do next but I think it's really really encouraging as a, as a sign as a litmus test really for the professionalization of women's cycling well we should at this point bring in uh, Yolene Dor who obviously was a champion Belgian sprinter and who's just started as a DS with uh, the next G racing team who is a team that we've kind of kept our eye on from the very start it's uh, a 
project that was started by Savas Carnarvon, uh, the former Paris-Roubaix champion. And I think we've you know followed them through the years, trying to create a development uh, squad that can kind of uh, launch uh, young riders with a little bit more experience into some of those uh, bigger races. So uh, let's hear, you spoke to uh, Yolene um, at the start of Le Samin, was it? Finish, Finishes? actually, yeah. At the she's, finish. Yeah, retired um, at the end of last year, obviously, didn't she? Yeah, so she's uh, on her experience on taking the wheel at uh, some of the big races. You've uh, made a transition from bike to, to team car. How's it been so far? Yeah, it's been a, it's been fun. It's been a, I'm enjoying myself. It's it's a hard life actually. I didn't I didn't realize how hard it actually was. Uh, you have to organize everything. It's not only like riding in the car in the race, but it's yeah, it's everything around. And uh, it's still a young team, and they're still de- developing a bit. So um, yeah, it's exciting. Did you see Anna van der Breggen on Saturday in, in the race as well? Yeah, Saturday she was also sitting next to the driver, just like me. And then on Sunday we both were driving. Uh, so yeah, it was it was exciting for the both of us, and uh, it's nice that we can do it at the same time. No pangs to be back there yourself. Do you any any uh, desire to be back on the bike at all? Nah, maybe sometimes, but like when it's really scary and like dangerous, um, I'm happy to be in the car. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm more nervous being in the car than yeah being a rider. And you're you're looking after a, a sort of young development team, aren't you? Tell us a bit about the team. Yeah, they're all pretty young, under 23. Um, so it's all a bit new for them, and uh, yeah, basically we have to start from zero and teach them everything. But um, they're learning fast, and they're really thankful uh, for me and yeah to give to give my advice. So um, I'm happy to do that. So are you still riding your bike yourself as well? Mm, not that much anymore. <laughs> when it's sunny and when I have the time, which is not that much, so um, I would say yeah, <laughs> max once a week. And I guess for this team, um, what, what's the programme like? I guess all the Belgian races further afield as well? Yeah, especially all the races in Belgium and Holland, so all the spring classics, uh, except for Flesch and Liège. Um, but except for that, we, we're doing everything. And then it'll be a case of whichever invitations you get, I guess? Yeah, obviously, obviously we're not a World Tour team, so we're depending on wildcards. Uh, but so far, so good, and hopefully we can uh, we can start in more races. Well, that was Yolene Dora um, talking about her first experiences uh, as a DS and uh, moving away from life as a racer. But what do we make of some of the uh, new teams? Uno X got fourth place with Susanna Anderson. Were there any other teams that kind of caught your eye? Well, one that didn't was uh, Roland Kojas Edelweiss, this mysterious women's world tour team. Um, they were they were invisible. Uh, mm. over well, the they they weekend, remain mysterious they? still. Don't um, they? I have yes. to credit Tilda Price, friend of the podcast, uh, for pointing this out on Twitter, asking the question. Really, they skipped uh, opening weekend and Le Samin, which is very strange because they are a women's world tour team. A lot of people are surprised that they're a women's world tour team, um, a Swiss registered team. But they are kind of what we do know about them is that they're always very stretched to get a full team to the yeah, start true. line. It's a very small squad. So I guess would they not just be saving uh, their very small squad for the the races they have to go to, or I don't know. It's not that encouraging a sign, is it, to miss the opening ones? But um... <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. But... One other uh, new team to the women's world tour who struggled with squad sizes, of course, was EF Education Tibco SVP, who ended up with as many riders as sponsors at Omloop Het Newsblad. <laughs> they were down to just four. <laughs> I yes. can't get that mouthful out every time I mention them. I love them. I love the whole team and the setup. But that that's a that's a good old hearty mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Is. EF Education EF, Tibco SVP. Well, we EF Tibs. They've been wiped out a little bit by COVID, uh, as as yeah. as quite a lot of teams have. Um, they, so they got had a few problems. At Hent Newsman, I did speak to their new sports director, um, friend of the podcast, another friend of the podcast, Tim Harris. We, just, we, we, we don't even talk to anyone else, do we, except friends of the podcast? <laughs> well, Tim, well, everyone Tim, is our friend. That's a good way to be. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, nice, Tim is yeah. a former uh, professional rider, former British champion. He's now a Belgian uh, passport holder, actually. Mm-hmm. He's lived in Belgium Belgian for many years yeah. and looked after lots of young riders over the years um, with his partner, Josh Ryan. And uh, he... Started working for Bahrain a couple of years ago when Rod Ellingworth uh, took over there. And he was a sort of second DS for them. And then a bit more prominent last year, he was on on the team for Pyro Bay. 
And uh, I was very intrigued to hear that he'd been appointed a, a DS for um, EF, Tibco SVB. Um, and I think I think it's a great appointment because I think he's got a lot a lot to offer, mm. and he he really knows cycling like few other people. So let's hear what he had to say at the start of his journey with that team at the start of Het Newsblad. Uh, a very familiar face, but and, and in a familiar place, an adopted Belgian, Tim Harris, but in a new role. In a new role, you're now a sports director. At EF, last time I saw you was in the, the, the track at Roubaix, um, celebrating a Paris-Roubaix win with Sonny Colbrelli. But here you are in a new, in a new uniform. How did, this, how did this move come about? Yeah, well, I, um, yeah last time I saw you was in, uh, in the track in Roubaix. And uh, yeah, after Roubaix, um, an opportunity came up at EF uh, Education, TIBCO SVB and uh, looked like a really, really nice project because um, it's, it's a new World Tour team in the women's sport and I've, I've worked quite a lot with uh, women before. So, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a nice new challenge. Um, so, yeah, it all came together and I've uh, been doing this since, uh, since last winter. So, super, super excited to be here at the uh, Newsblad uh, race in Belgium. You've had a couple of years with Bahrain, haven't you? So working in the men's world tour, now you take on this job with the women's team. Anything different about that? I mean, you've, as you say, you've worked with female riders over many years, going right back to Lizzie Dagnan coming and staying in your house. I know you used to take her training and sprinting for signs and so on, but um, anything different about running a women's team or helping to, to run a women's team? No, I think uh, actually at the moment the only big uh, difference I can see or is that we're running more or less a single programme. Okay, sometimes we have races in, in the States as well. But the main difference is with the men, you are quite often doing a triple programme, so you have triple the staff. But uh, actually for the infrastructure, with the bikes, with the buses, with the cars, it's all very, very uh, very similar to the men now and I think uh, with the advent of the, um, the Tour de France this season uh, a lot of the teams have really stepped up because uh, yeah as somebody said to me 50% of all the uh, clients or consumers of products are women so uh, at the end of the day it makes sense to um, ramp up the women's side of things. You've got a reduced team here today unfortunately this is quite common we've seen a few teams and men's and women's races reduced because of COVID and things like that. This is a real problem, isn't it? I mean, every team is being affected by this. Yes, not only us, we're starting here with four riders. Uh, also, a couple of riders crashed, uh, and so they can't, uh, they crashed in, in Valencia last week, so that, uh, uh, yeah, put them out. But also with, with, with the COVID, we thought, we thought we'd got away with it because we had a, a three-week training camp in, in, in Calpe and nobody had anything. And then we seemed to, after, well, with Lizzie Banks just before uh, Valencia, unfortunately, and then afterwards. So, but talking to other team managers, men and women, I think everybody's in the same boat. And hopefully most of, well, all the symptoms in our team are very, very mild. So hopefully uh, once this last wave of, of COVID uh, kicks in, hopefully it will get a bit better. But it's not that the riders are seriously ill like, like they were before. Uh, well, that was Tim Harris and we're looking forward to seeing what uh, they get up to. But we should say the next time we meet, there's going to be... So, I mean, I do say every single time there's a lot of racing, but I mean, it's kind of ridiculous this time. We've got Strada Bianchi, we've got Ronda Van Drenta, uh, Binder... Uh, De Panna and Ghent Verwilhem, and that's just the uh, World Tour races that we've got. Anyone got any uh, particular things they're looking forward to uh, out ah, of that Strata. selection? Strata, Strata, yeah. Strata, Strata. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. First Women's World Tour race of the season. Such a beautiful race. Stunning. I cannot isn't it? wait. Cannot wait. That finish up to Siena is going to be awesome. Yeah. That's the one I'm looking forward to. But then I'm looking forward to that until it's over and then I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah. I'm so fickle. That's well, why you pick the nearest one to now. Yeah, well, exactly. Just... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've got a short attention span. I've got two children. I'm just looking forward to seeing if anyone can wrestle the Cassily away from Annemiek van Vluten. So Ooh, I'll be, yes, we I'll be looking out. Performances. That's I'll be looking out for some Cassily performances, yeah. Some sausages there are on enough, bikes. There are enough chances all those races. Sausages on bikes. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> We're here for the sausage. That's all we're here for. We're here for the smoky sausage. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, your faces again, and Orla. We're, we're hoping that we're gonna, you're gonna make it back from your very intriguing trip to the Australian outback. So 
Yeah. Well, I really, yeah, I'm, yeah. I said that flippantly. Top but secret don't mission. Keep I knew you'd me. end up on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong time of year, unless I'm doing a recon. You dun, never know. Dun, yeah. Dun. I, the thing is, I'm off, I am off to the Australian Outback, and um, I can't, I'm not really saying why at the moment, but um, I'm going to be without Wi Fi. I'm going to be without Wi-Fi. So A, I'll need, I may need you guys to update me on racing. But B, how can I, like, how can I even live through camping in the Australian Outback if I can't document it on Insta Story? Like, how well, has it even happened? Is Instagram, gonna, is Instagram gonna survive this? <laughs> I think this blackout. Well, I don't write without me, but will I be all right without it? That's the question. <laughs> You're gonna have to just leave some posts to be put up in your in your absence or something yeah or like like pr- like proper celebs i'll get, yeah, a, I'll yeah, get yeah. a social media team to post get the assistant on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i'll just come back shaking and like when i and an yeah. overload of of insta <laughs> stories and posts for like a week so maybe unfollow me for a bit because it'll be really boring <laughs> but yeah that's what I, that's when i'll see you next on it i'll be that's crazy jet lagged probably you'll be on the I'm other side of that busy from the races yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see you uh, both on the other side. See you then. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Rose and Orla. And thank you, Orla. Thank you both. It's been a joy. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>